it's great to be able to uh, um, speak to you uh, this morning. Um, and today we are uh, looking at the passage uh, of Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 through uh, 22. And that, that was a passage that Noah uh, read to us. And thank you very much, Noah, for, for that. Um, I'd like to begin uh, by asking a question uh, for all of you. And that's a question of, uh, I, I wonder how many of you have ever felt excluded? Have you ever felt like you didn't belong somewhere? Have you ever felt or even been told that you don't belong? I mean, we all have our quirks. Maybe some in this uh, uh, space uh, more than others. And I see people nodding vigorously here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and we're all different and uh, perhaps weird in our own ways. But has that uh, difference um, ever left us excluded? When I was a, a, a child uh, growing up in L.A., I was often told I was a, a foreigner. Okay? I, I was born in, in the U.S., I was born in California, but I was always told I was a foreigner, uh, that I was Chinese and not American. And, and to be honest, you know, this, this actually made me um, uh, really uh, despise my own identity, my own heritage quite a lot growing up as a Chinese American. I'm not sure if anybody else here had that feeling growing up. But what I thought was interesting, though, was many years later, when um, we were living in Beijing, people often presumed we were Chinese. Of course, we looked apart, right? Uh, but also, while living in Beijing for a while, um, you know, our, our Mandarin, of course, picks up a, a Beijing inflection. And if, if you're familiar with the different accents in, in China, Beijing has a very distinctive kind of a, a turn of, of pronunciation. And so we not only looked the part, but we started to sound uh, the part as a Beijinger, right? But then after a while, when people get to know us, they say, hey, actually... You're a you're a Lao Wai. You're a foreigner. Okay? Or worse, they would say, ah, you're American. <laughs> and that by itself has its own baggage. Tell, uh, trust me. <laughs> Especially in China. Um, now living here in Scotland, I'm definitely a foreigner. Uh, but the question is what kind? And, th and that that that's a, a different matter by itself. Um, but but this idea to be a termed a foreigner to be termed a stranger or an outsider implies that we're different and different in not a good way, right? It's a label that suggests difference in which we do not fit in. And it also suggests um, difference in expectations. You know, we expected a Beijinger, but instead you are a foreigner, you are an American. and You're different and maybe not all that good because you're different. The passage we're looking at today speaks about a people who are excluded, Gentiles, that is, non-Jews. And I think this is kind of an interesting um, passage in general, but, but really, broadly speaking, this word Gentile that we use in, in, in Christian speak quite often because it's in the Bible, right? But this idea of a Gentile is, is really interesting because in the Greek and the Hebrew, okay, there's actually no word that says non-Jew, okay? So this, this idea of a Gentile that is a non-Jew 
it doesn't actually exist in the words of Greek and Hebrew. That in the Old and New Testaments, the word that is often translated into English as Gentile, and is, is true in this case, is, is the Greek word ethne. Okay? Or in the Hebrew, it would be in the Old Testament, it would be the uh, Hebrew word goyim. Okay? So goyim and ethne, and, and both of these words simply mean nations or people. That's why the Greek word ethne is where we get the word ethnicity. Okay, so so quite often it's um it's it, it, it's this idea of nations, peoples, but in the Bible we translate it as Gentiles, or or most translators translate this as Gentiles because instead of nations, from Genesis twelve four, the descendants of Abraham became known as a special nation, as a special people, right? So. So they were they maybe were one of these goyim, but they were a special one, a chosen one. So the goyim, the ethne, are the nations that were not this special nation of the Israelites. Right? So this is this is where the, the language comes up in the Bible. Now, in the opening of this passage that we have uh, for today, we, we see this dynamic in play. And if you have your Bibles, you know, turn with me to Ephesians 2, um, verse 11 in particular. And it reads, Remember that formerly you who are called Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Okay, and he goes on. But here you see, you nations, you Gentiles, actually. Okay, Let, let's give you a different label. You uncircumcised. Okay, talk about baggage. And it hits where it hurts, uh, literally, if you, you know what circumcision is. Uh, but, but, you know, you circums- uncircumcised people, right? You non-Jewish, non-chosen people. You never had a place with God's people. Never. But in our passage, in verse 12, it goes a bit farther. Remember, it says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. Now, this passage then suggests that not only were you not, you know, in the community, you're not in the crowd, you're not one of us, okay? You're not, you're, you're, you're separated from God's people. But you're also separated from God, okay? So you're separated from Christ. So it's not just a social question of being in or out, but it has a spiritual reality behind it, right? It is about, you know, your outsideness means you're outside of God's plan, outside of God's grace and God's love and God's salvation. This was discrimination to the greatest extent. Right. And in recent years, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about um, racism in, in the U.S. and, and in uh, the U.K. Much of this is um, uh, very much a black and white question, okay? you know, in, in, uh, in metaphoric terms. But it's a black and white uh, uh, racism. Um, but in more recent years, especially during the pandemic, there's been the rise of anti-Asian um, racism. And there's a lot of discussion around that. Um, but imagine being excluded from church because of your race. Imagine being excluded from 
Christianity because of your race. And in fact, this has been a historic reality, especially in a place like in the United States. But in today's passage, those who are excluded are everyone who is not Jewish. So frankly, unless you have some Jewish ancestry that I'm not aware of, this means all of us, right? We were excluded from God's community, but we were also excluded from God and God's promises. And that really, really hurts. As verse 12 reads, you were without hope and without God in the world. But Paul quickly changes the tenor of this passage. He talks about how, because of Christ, that rejection, that exclusion has been redressed. The wall that divided, the law of the covenant, old covenant, all this has been taken down, and Gentiles can now join in with Jews. But it's not just about joining. And we see this uh, particularly in verses 15 and, and 4. And we're told his, pre- excuse me, his purpose was to create in himself, this is God, created in, in himself, one new humanity out of the two, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. What this is saying is much more than an excluded group joining an elite group. Okay, It is about a new humanity, a new body created from the coming together of two estranged groups. Now, in, um, in my work, um, and I apologize for those of you here who, who, who know me at, in my work capacity, but in my work, uh, you know, uh, I, I teach theology, uh, but I also teach about a subject known as world Christianity, and um, basically uh, Christianity of, of, of non-Western forms. Okay? And I currently co-direct a center uh, known as a, center, a research center called the Center for the Study of World Christianity. It was founded in the University of Aberdeen before moving here in Edinburgh. And actually, Margaret Acton here, uh, who, who, who's with us today, um, she was, uh, for, for many years, was the center's librarian and archivist. Um, and she, I, I hear she also caffeinated uh, the center as well. Um, uh, I, I think I need that uh, <laughs> today, but we don't have that. Um, but the founder of the center was a man by the name of Andrew Walls, um, who, who sadly just this past summer um, uh, passed away. Andrew Walls wrote an essay on this very passage, um, and he calls it the Ephesians moment. Okay? And he explains how in the early church, Gentile and Jew were the two major cultures of the church at the time. And there was a lot of hostility here on both sides, that for the Jewish Christians, they thought that the Gentile converts were nobodies in society. Right? The Jews thought the Gentiles were nobodies. They didn't read the Bible. They didn't read the Torah. And so they didn't really know how to practice the faith like they should have. Right? But for the Gentile Christians, they thought the Jews were a bunch of legalistic, stuffy, backward oldies, right? Who were forced to migrate to Jerusalem because of persecution, actually, to a cosmopolitan metropolis like Ephesus. And they didn't know how to make way in, in a place like Ephesus. So that's why they're part of the church, right? So in both sides, there's a view in which they are... Um, they have their own biases about the other group, right? 
that to put it in today's terms, they were racist. They were quite discriminatory towards the other. But here in Andrew Walls is saying, you know, the Ephesians moment was the bringing together of these two major cultures. And it is something new made from the two. Why? Because each group needed one another. Each group brought something unique to the gospel and could not be complete. The gospel could not be complete until it was brought together with the other in Christ, in the church. Now, for Andrew Walls, he he argues that the Ephesians moment is being repeated today because, um, uh, in particular, his focus is is on uh, Western Christians. And he, he talks about how Western Christians are like Jewish Christians in Ephesus. And often, uh, Western Christianity sees itself as the guardians of what is standard Christianity and doesn't um, uh, work well with new expressions of Christianity developing in Africa, India, China, China, Korea, and so forth. And so it w- wants to ignore those as kind of um, uh, irrelevant. But for Andrew Walls, he argues that it is about Western Christianity coming together and coming to terms with what non-Western expressions of Christianity, what non-standard expressions of Christianity, African Christianity, Indian Christianity, and so forth, bring something new. And that Christianity, that the gospel, is much more enriched by this multiplicity. That there is something new from the learning and the gaining from non-Western Christians. Now, that is, of course, uh, uh, um, world Christianity in a nutshell. If you want to learn more, you can come and study with me. Uh, well, this is not a promo to study with me. Um, you, you may not want to. You could ask the students here. Um, but <laughs> the question I want to ask um, is, what is the Edinburgh moment? What is the CEC moment? Some would actually criticize the existence of a Chinese church. And perhaps say that the existence of a Chinese church goes against the, uh, the, the notion of an Ephesians moment or even, you know, this uh, in Revelation 7, this idea of all nations coming before God and worshiping at the, uh, at the throne of the Lamb of God. But actually, I think Chinese, a, a Chinese church helps to highlight the goodness of Ephesians moment, if you will. That Edinburgh has not only Chinese churches or Chinese majority churches or Korean majority churches or African majority churches. It also has, dare I say, white majority churches, Western majority churches. They all have a role and a ministry to play in the city, and they all serve particular purposes. The bigger question is, do their purposes also serve the greater purposes of God? The Ephesians moment is, on the one hand, about bringing down the hostility between cultures, between differences. But on the other hand, it is about the rising up of something new from the multiplicity of cultures. It includes asking how each of the churches in this city contribute to something beautiful and sometimes unique to the picture of Edinburgh Christianity. And, and, and I think that this is actually quite uh, an, an important question. 
you know, uh, even for, for a Chinese church like CECE, which situates itself within a uh, Church of Scotland congregation, you know, a, a building, right? And, and what is the relationship between the two? You know, is it merely a rental agreement or is there something more? Right, and and I'm 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 thankful that that Stuart is here to represent uh, that that congregation, you know. But you know, it's it's a question of of how this actually brings a a more beautiful picture that we can learn from the differences of different cultures in Edinburgh, um, and very intimately even within CECE or with CECE. But I think internally, um, CECE has a different type of Ephesians moment. It comes time and time again when new faces come into our presence. The Ephesians moment comes when those who join us are culturally radically different from, uh, from one another. Chinese and Westerner. Northeast Indian and uh, Zomi. Right? And, and these differences that are seem so different, so radically different, um, are nurturing an Ephesians moment. But the Ephesians moment also comes when those are who are culturally different are more subtle in difference. Scottish-born Chinese, American-born Chinese, and, and I, I should I should note Canadian-born Chinese. Oh no, or Canadian Chinese, sorry, not, not Canadian-born. Uh, and and uh, Malaysian-born Scots, thank you. Uh, thank you, Stuart. <laughs> Um, you know, but but the subtlety that happens, and and also if we think about it, um, the the um, migration from um, from Asia today, you know, not only from mainland China but also Hong Kong Chinese. The Ephesians moment is one that, on the one hand, asks us, demands from us, to take away the hostility, the differences, the discrimination uh, that that exists across cultures. No matter how radical or how subtle it is, it needs to be taken down. But even more, the Ephesians moment is one that demands that we learn from one another. That is, as a church, we are constantly made into something new through coming together and, and not just being together, but actually knowing one another, learning from one another, and investing in one another. This is in fact the church theme this year, growing together in Christ. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just guessing, but I suspect that when, when Chiu and v, Vicky were, were praying over uh, a church theme, this passage, actually this passage of, of Ephesians 2, uh, perhaps came to mind. And, and in verse uh, verses 21 through 22, it reads, In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The Edinburgh moment, the CEC moment, is constantly changing with those who are in our community or may join or, or even leave our community. We as a church are able to grow together in Christ into a holy temple, looking and appreciating and learning and being challenged by the diversity that is within as an opportunity to grow together in Christ. See, it's not just a matter of being 
together and under one building. You know, we know that between uh, the, the Church of Scotland congregation and, and CECE. But it's about investing in one another and learning and growing together in Christ. This is even so with the influx of uh, immigration, um, Hong Kong immigration in recent days. And as we look forward to welcome the new senior pastor, on the one hand, it is accepting that change. On another, it is asking how we can grow and contribute to that change. The constant changes in, um, in the subcultures of CECE is part of the CECE moment. May we take hold of these opportunities and work and pray together towards growing together in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do give thanks to you for your word and for the encouragement that we have in in Christ um, from the Apostle Paul. Uh, Firstly, to the uh, the church in Ephesus and the the cultural... um, the cultural diversity, the difference, the exclusion that people felt, but the inclusion and the promises of something greater from that moment. But we thank you also that you give us a moment here as well, within CECE, within Edinburgh, within the UK, that we may both contribute and gain from one another. That we as Christians are called to seek all that is beautiful and brings glory to your name and brings a realization of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We give praise to you and we ask for your mercy and your strength. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.